What's up, everybody? I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast, where I'm joined by Pleb Underground, Cornicarus, and Walton, two great, great plebs in the space. Walton hosts a bunch of different spaces, the Bitcoin Autism Council, and much, much more. And Cornicarus started off, and hey, I'll just let him tell you his story, but he does a bunch of great videos for Pleb Underground. They're two people that run that, but there's a lot more people who work in the background who produce a bunch of content around Bitcoin, so Bitcoin-only stuff there. So you should definitely check out their YouTube, check out everything they got going on, their Substack, what have you. And now let's get into the episode. But as always, ladies and gents, as always, this is not financial advice. Should never be taken as financial advice. Now let's get into the episode. Whoosh. Bing bong. I am live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But first, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Coddle.co. That's C-O-D-L dot C-O. You can get yourself a punch plate. They have a bunch of different variation size from 12 to 24 words. You can put your seed phrase on there and keep it through anything, rain, flood, fire, what have you. So get it for your favorite Bitcoiner for this Christmas. Use promo code GREENCANDLE, that's G-R-E-E-N, at our G-R-E-E-N-C-A-N-D-L-E at coddle.co for 10% off your entire order. And now I've got very special guests here in the crowd, the boys from Pleb Underground. I got Conicarus, who was just kind of telling me a little bit about his name pre-show, man. So why don't you get into that? How did you come up with the name? And uh, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. By the way, never heard of Coddle before, so I appreciate that. I was I was kind of thinking, I'm like, how many companies, you know, how many different companies make those plates? So very cool. I'm going to check them out. But uh, but besides that, uh, yeah, you know, essentially uh, for the people who who don't know me, uh, just a Bitcoin pleb, uh, been around for about five years. Uh, Started by making the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, which was essentially just interviewing random plebs in audio only, and then moved over to uh, Simply Bitcoin with Nico. And uh, then after that, branched off and started the Pleb Underground with Pirate and with Walton as a co-host. And yeah, the actual name, the name came from... Uh, it came from the uh, the myth of Icarus, right? And there's two pieces to it, as we were talking about before. There's there's the symbology where he flies too close to the sun and burns his wings, and then there's also the symbology of the messenger. And actually, I, both of those were the reason why I chose Icarus, and I chose Coin because there was too many bit people back then. Like in in back in like 2016, 2017, when I was when I was choosing a, a name for Twitter, I'm like, everybody's some kind of a bit. So I went with coin. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So differentiate differentiate yourself a little bit and uh, still kind of keep it in the family. So I like it. Well, Walton, we, we got the other, your co-host, as you mentioned before. Walton doesn't have as cool of a name as Conicarus. So, uh, but uh, Walton, how are you doing today? And welcome to the show. Oh, no, Walton, you're on mute. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. It's uh. Yeah, it's my first time here on a Green Dildo show, so uh, yeah, I'm feeling very <laughs> bullish. Yeah, there we go. I appreciate that. Green Dildos, Green Candles, whatever. Very bullish going forward. Well, um, you know, you guys kind of to- told me, or Conicarus told me a little bit about himself. So, Walton, why don't you tell me a little bit about 
you know, how you got into Bitcoin. And then uh, why don't you guys get into the story behind Pleb Underground and, you know, why you guys got started in it? Right. So um, I was orange pilled by a maxi in 2018. And so uh, I've never shitcoined, um, like in terms of buying uh, crypto. Um, the for, for me, I was very skeptical of Bitcoin. And then once I learned that it had independently verifiable scarcity uh and none of the other ones did it, at that point it was like oh well okay maybe i'll buy some some bitcoin um and then i kept buying as you do there um you and pleb underground like it's i i've been one i was wanting to start a, a podcast for a little while as well you know i think you've been a, a listener a bunch of times um i've run a whole lot of twitter spaces um with my with with the council um uh and, and their show so, oh we seem to have an echo or i do maybe not no all good okay um the the twitter space is very much it was always a live show what? not recorded <laughs> a podcast kind of being you know the opposite right it's it's a well i mean this is live but you know podcasts are often recorded maybe edited um but it was a, a very different format right something that's more um of a of a presentation than 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 you know hanging out with a bunch of bitcoiners um you, you know as a in a more informal way and yeah maybe you learn something but that's not the primary focus of being there yeah, so now let's hear from your perspective, Conicarus. Um, yeah, my perspective. So I, I obviously, I shitcoined. I, I talk about it all the time. You, if you check my my name on Twitter, it says uh, it's coinicarus.wrapped shitcoin. Um, so yeah, because I, I can't help but make fun of, I, I can't help but make fun of their narratives. But yeah, so I, I did shitcoin, and that's kind of what brought me to the light was that not only did I buy a whole bunch of shitcoins and get wrecked, but I also had the fortune of working with a shitcoin project uh, in my previous job. So yeah, and that project was Civics. I have talked about this a lot in the past. Uh, Civics was uh, started by Vinny Lingham. And uh, it's, uh, it's an identity token. It's an identity token. And the company that I worked for had an integration with this piece of crap. And it was really interesting because at that moment, I was able to dismantle the entire shitcoin use case uh, by just working on this thing. Because obviously, the company that I worked for never ended up having to purchase the token to provide in order to use any of the functionality that they claimed. So why does the token exist? It doesn't make any sense. And at that point, I was just like, okay, so this is all just a giant scam. And I ended up you know, dumping all my shitcoins and being wrecked. And started to just accumulate Bitcoin. But at the same time, I started a um, a podcast. And I had started that podcast while I was still semi-holding shitcoins. So it started off being fun with crypto. And then after about six months, I was like, no, this, it's Bitcoin only. And then I pivoted to fun with Bitcoin. And it was all Bitcoin only after that. Um, and then, you know, we'll fast forward through some of the past stuff. But just dive into the Pleb Underground piece. Um when I left, when I left Simply Bitcoin, uh, I wanted to do something uh, that was obviously similar but not the same, and I wanted it to carry um, a different type of vibe. Um, and Pleb Underground, I mean, I, I had already been talking with Pirate Pirate Beach Bum for a very long time, and he loves putting out articles, and he just has a, a total knack for crafting a story. And I just want to do videos. 
Okay, like I'm not gifted in writing. I'm really not. If you read any of my like my articles, I'm I'm a lean writer. You know, like I don't write big stuff. I don't really, you know, like you're not going to get that many long-winded pearls of wisdom. But I like making videos. I think it's fun to make videos. And I was like, you know what? Why don't why don't I focus on the video piece and you focus on the written piece? And Pleb Underground essentially was born. And at that point, that's, you know, that's when I started to look around and decide, all right, like, I, I don't think reached out to you then, then because, because I, I was looking at maybe doing a council podcast, trying to get the boys together, uh, dragging them along uh, uh, and yeah, reached out to Phil. Hey, you've got some experience, uh, you know, maybe you can teach me a couple of things and then uh, oh, actually we've got, we've got some aligned, some aligned values here. We, we, you know, we're, we're, we're very much bitcoin only we we don't believe um in this increasing corporatization um of bitcoin culture right like we th there's i think this is a growing problem where you have um bitcoin companies they might be bitcoin only but they're yeah, but some corporate, corporate, corporate companies uh, trying to acquire more and more of, of pleb culture and to me that doesn't that doesn't vibe quite right pleb, pleb culture should be um, should be an underground uh, movement, and so yeah, pleb underground um, was was a mission I had to join. Yeah, and and you know I I agree with that that statement too that you just made there, Walton. As I I think that a lot of corporations are kind of just jumping on the trend and and kind of saw you know Bitcoin and you know crypto maybe to a lesser extent, and a lot of people kind of had an opinion on it, but. You know, obviously, we've had this big old debacle with FTX, and it feels like anywhere you go now, there, there's somebody talking about it. Somebody has some type of opinion on Bitcoin and crypto, and they kind of group them together, at least for, you know, the non-plebs and the non-Bitcoin only people, uh, you know, and, and they're just kind of seeing like all this, you know, FTX obviously crumbling apart and a lot of the, in, in turn, shit coins kind of turning around and you know, a lot of them failing and what have you. So, you know, it, are you guys kind of noticing when people that you talk to from there, like, you know, obviously you guys talk to a lot of plebs, but maybe some non Bitcoin only, maybe some like people who are kind of dabbing their toes into Bitcoin that are now, I guess, uh, you know, fully turned off. Or do you think that this kind of, you know, whole FTX thing is turning more people into Bitcoin maxis? I'll let you go first, Walton, on this one. Um, I think Bitcoiners want to believe that that one exchange collapsing um, is going to trigger a bunch of self custody. Um, that I don't I, I don't think that necessarily happens because people are still afraid to make the leap and they think, oh, but my my exchange is you know actually based in the United States or whatever it is like uh, Coinbase is going to be the next FTX or whatever like it or they're they're maybe yeah as you say like some of these kind of i don't know to me they're kind of fiat maxis people that keep things on exchanges they might i don't know dabble in a bunch of scams like I don't, at the end of the day they're they're fiat maxis and that's why they keep it on the exchange if if and it's kind of silly because really, actually even if you are a fiat maxi you should still self custody because that's because then the exchanges can't play these these games that they're playing with with selling paper bitcoin and suppressing the price um but but that is a movement that um needs help from bitcoiners i you know this holiday season the best thing you can do is is help all of your family with with self custody that's that's certainly my plan 
Very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, self-custody self -custody is kind of a tricky one, right? Um, because there's a lot of societal brainwashing that has happened to us, uh, essentially, from the time we begin learning about money, that, you know, the bank. The bank is where you store your money. I mean, sure, you could keep cash under your mattress, but then somebody could break into your house and steal it from you. The bank is where it's safe. So there's this whole brainwashing narrative that comes from Keynesians and, you know, that it's okay, it's the third part, you know, it's the counterparty and we're okay with the counterparty risk and it's fantastic that they control the money supply and all of that good stuff. So unfortunately, when you're talking to normies, it's, it's very difficult to at least from my perspective, it's very difficult to sell them on the self-custody aspect. Now, when you're talking to a normie, when you're talking to a person that has experienced censorship from the banking system, then they understand right away what the virtues are of, um, of self-sovereignty. Uh, the other piece to it that you were talking about was this kind of disgusting mishmash of crypto and Bitcoin, right? talking to normies it's always you know like ftx is bitcoin right oh my gosh this exchange blew up bitcoin's dead there's nothing to do with bitcoin it, has, it doesn't care bitcoin doesn't care another block got mined it, it it makes no difference so in the grand scheme of things in the grand scheme of things one of our missions right is to help to um i guess you'd say propel that message that bitcoin is not crypto right and crypto is not bitcoin bitcoin is bitcoin and then there's shitcoin Crypto doesn't even exist. It really doesn't. Okay, it's it, it's a corporate it's a corporate media narrative that was created in order to encompass this entire space. And as a result, we have to we have to help fight Bitcoin's narrative war out of it. And it's very difficult. <laughs> it's not impossible because we're doing it, but it's difficult because these corporate entities have um scales of economy they have you know the the budget they have the reach um it's important for for to, in order to kind of preserve, preserve spread pleb culture plebs need to be pushing other other plebs like i'm um, you, you see this this shirt behind me here like this is a limited edition piece from one of the best pleb plebcasts there is right the the children of the core and bitcoin plebcast one of pleb underground's own you see behind me a, a picture from from crypto graffiti. You see me wearing represent. These are Bitcoin brands. You should be you should be you should be supporting right the the way that we I think get you know further um, the mission of Bitcoin is is by building um, parallel Bitcoin economies. So yeah, you must you must do what you can do to to obviously you know don't push ones that are, that are terrible. Um, you know, you, you want to push the ones that you think are actually, you know, where you want to spend your Bitcoin because because that's a that's a big deal, right? Oh yeah, exactly. And I, and I think you know one of the more bullish things that I'm seeing is not only you know the massive amounts of of Bitcoins that are being pulled off of exchanges into you know theoretically self custody, or at least you know that's that's what we can assume. But uh, you know, also we, we were kind of talking a little bit pre show is that you know. 
as the price is still kind of floating around, you know, this 16 to 20 K range or what have you, we're still seeing the hash rate, you know, increase. And so, you know, I, as long as this FUD is still kind of surrounding it, we're still... Sorry, hash rate's increasing. I thought it's been dropping recently. I thought we've had a bit of minor capitulation, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I believe like the past couple of weeks, we hit like an all-time high there. That so, might be true, but I think then since then, it's been a bit of a slide. Okay, but I mean, like, you know, still to that point, I think that, you know... It, it's been floating around for, you know, a decent amount of time around this range. Right. So we've still, even though it's not maybe at an all time high, it's still kind of floating close to that all time high. Maybe we've had a recent capitulation and, you know, a lot of these Bitcoin mining companies are hurting, but it seems like more and more people are just kind of either it's, it's home miners or they're kind of capitalizing on that capitulation and buying some of these cheap miners and seeing some of the value that, you know, mining brings and getting that, you know, non-KYC Bitcoin and everything like that, and maybe even willing to mine at a loss, you know, I mean, we were kind of getting into it a little bit pre-show, but, uh, you know, it, it's maybe not getting into all of the economics behind it, but I still think that, you know, people are still very bullish on this space, even with all this going on. And it's, you know, although there's this exchange, you know, FTX, there's, you know, the Celsius, there's some of these other ones that have crashed and kind of stopped withdrawals, more people are kind of flocking to Bitcoin. And I mean, at least from my perspective, I, that still makes me very bullish on the space, even though, you know, maybe the price action might be super bullish. And I think like a lot of the maybe not the plebs, but a lot of people get hung up on the, you know, on the price action. And that's one of the bigger issues is we see these big, you know, news articles or news outlets like you guys were describing before, like an NBC, CNBC. The first thing they show when they show Bitcoin is a price chart. And, you know, recently it's it's been all red. So for the average normie, just looking at that, I feel like they're they're kind of missing that big, you know, the big piece and the big, you know, I guess uh, adoption around it. So, you know, outside of like avenues like this, like, you know, I, I guess, how do we get it through to these media outlets? I mean, we're having some some bigger people kind of show up on there. You know, we had Mike, Max Kaiser on um, on Tucker and we're, we're having some other, you know, big names get onto some of these bigger news outlets. But do you think that 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 uh, I guess knowledge gap is still going to be around for a while or do you think it's kind of shrinking a little bit? Just briefly, I think the clarity of messages coming through that we're experiencing um, essentially a, a thinning of the herd in a good way, a, a general de-risking of um, of the price um, be, because leverage is, is getting cleaned out. You, you know, you're getting um the, the response the responsible ones are, are, are hodling and the, the irresponsible ones uh have it having their corn from them you know it, it's 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 yeah, i think it's a very a very very good thing uh what's currently happening um okay so it, it's kind of interesting right because you, you're right on, on one point you know we've got people like michael saylor who's like the best cheerleader for bitcoin um you know, he's he just he's on all the mainstream uh, on all the corporate uh, media outlets. Um, so you know, you've got people like him who've been cheering Bitcoin for a very long time. That has helped to clean up the signal and has helped to kind of uh, battle the the corporations on their level. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, Max Kaiser, I kind of have I kind of have, uh, have mixed feelings about uh, because he recently, like, let's be honest, right? He recently shilled some yeah, gold gold backed shitcoin and. And I'm sorry, you know, like, and I know that there's also like Max Coin from way back when that he doesn't want to admit. And but look, at the oh end gosh. of the day, at the end of the day, thank you. 
at the end of the day, he was on Tucker and he was talking about Bitcoin only. Okay. So fair enough. Like that, that is pretty cool. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, we, we have to be careful because, you know, we may think that we're cleaning up these signals, but, you know, we can, we can kind of remember people like Trace Mayer, you know, who, who made it very popular, uh, the, you know, January 3rd, the, what, what is it? The not your key. Uh, what was it? What was his whole campaign Walton? I'm not gonna um, lie. I love Trace. Like Tra- Trace's credit contraction work is is what helped me to understand the problem with the current system. Um, I I don't know. I I'm still not convinced that he didn't just kind of do a bit of a disappearing act with it. Um, yeah, but so you, you could know, do a disappearing act without shilling a shitcoin. Oh, yeah, like, again, like it's like this is the whole thing, I right? Agree. Like I agree. so. So, you know, we see these people, right? You know, we see these people, they, they have good, great messaging. And then all of a sudden, you know, that it's just not, it's not, it's, I love Bitcoin, but I also, I also support these shit coins. But if so you make people hate you, then, then, then they'll leave you alone. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe that's true. But anyways, we, we are seeing, we are seeing a little bit less of that, um, but it, it is still out there and, and it is still a thing. I do want to go back to what you said about the hash rate. Something we didn't have in the last uh, in the last cycle, we did not have a hash rate climbing as the Bitcoin price was declining. We did not see this last time. Last time the hash rate died with with Bitcoin's price. So we we are entirely we are seeing new territory. And I know there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people um, that that want to believe you know because that they are experts in you know something that all of a sudden applies to Bitcoin. But the reality is this. Bitcoin is a completely different asset. I've said this a thousand times. It's like nothing we've ever seen before in human history. So to to think for a second that you can accurately predict how this is going to move based on all of these other metrics, it's just complete nonsense. It's hubris. So, you know, like this is just a path of discovery. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think there's a lot of, you know, outside factors that that also affect, you know, the price and everything like that, too. And, and one of those things that I think is going to kind of come down the pipeline, especially with, you know, this FTX kind of debacle is, you know, maybe some more regulation. And I think, you know, it's not only educating the normies that we're kind of talking about, but it's also, you know, going to start to come to we need to start to educate the politicians and people trying to make, you know, regulations around this stuff. And it seems like at the end of the day, you know, whether we like it or not, there, there's going to be some sort of regulation being made. And it's not necessarily it wasn't necessarily on the ballot box in these midterms. But, you know, we did see some more politicians kind of pop up and try to run for Senate based on, you know, a Bitcoin bag campaign. So, you know, it, it's I'm of the opinion that I very much think that in the next two years, years. we're going to see that kind of become on the ballot box where where politicians are going to be running maybe not fully on a Bitcoin campaign, but they're going to have to have some sort of opinion on that and crypto um, to, you know, obviously to a lesser extent. So, you know, how do you guys see that, I guess, kind of moving forward, at least in in, in the United States um, specifically? I think it's all corrupt as fuck and they'll say anything they want because um, they don't, they're not, because of central banking enabling um a lack of responsibility with regards to government spending that there is no responsibility like for them and so therefore the the only thing they care about is getting re-elected or getting elected um and they'll say anything they can um you know to get there um i will say this um from having from having interviewed uh a few 
um, a few hopeful candidates uh, that were running on a quote unquote, you know, Bitcoin messaging platform. I will say this, uh, let's say out of like, out of the three that I've, I've, I've interviewed, um, one of them seems to really get Bitcoin and, and the other two um, understand politics. So, so I think that could just kind of give you, and I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like I have a giant sample size right there. You know, it's three people, but I, I just, you know, to me that, that matters, you know, that, that kind of tells me the way that they're looking at it. And to Walton's point, right. Um, incentives matter, right. Incentives matter. And look, you know, everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to put, uh, you know, clothes on their back and, you know, shelter over their head. And as a result, you know, you're, you're going to, some people think it's perfectly fine to say whatever you got to say, you know, so that you can, so that you can uh, accomplish those things. Whereas some other people decide that, no, you know, maybe, maybe we need to be discerning and, and maybe we need to be honest and maybe, right. You know, that, that corny line about, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, so, you know, it's like, we can't sit, you know, it's like, you can't just call other people, you know, crappy and then be just as crappy as them. You have to try to actually be better. So I am hopeful that we're eventually going to see politicians uh, that have a bit more moral leanings. But I also am realistic and understand that we are all humans. So I'm not holding, I'm not holding my breath. Just one further point about the corruption that I've, I've slipped my mind before. I, th- I believe... Uh, so is it Maxine Waters, the the who's going to be leading this this, yeah. this panel, um, who who will ask Sam some not very difficult questions or, or whatever? Um, apparently, her husband um, is some sort of ambassador to the Bahamas, where FTX uh, and Sam were based. So, like, it's just like it's just it, the whole thing's a joke. This is the problem. It's like, it, I mean, you watch. I, I watched. I don't know if you guys watched House of Cards, the the, the series with with Kevin Spacey. It. it that, I mean, you, sometimes I remember watching that thinking, oh, maybe it's not quite as bad, like as extreme as this. And you go, no, it's pretty more, it's pretty worse now, actually. It's pretty a lot, like a lot worse. Like the, the, the amount of, the amount of, yeah, strings that get pulled for a whole realm of unethical things in the background for, for powerful people to stay in power or to, to take power. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's endless. It's endless. Yeah, and I mean, I agree. And if you look at, you know, SBF, like he was like the number two donor to the Biden campaign, and he was kind of all over, you know, politicking and trying to get a lot of this regulation and get in front of, you know, the regulation. He met with the CFTC uh, director, I believe it was something like, like over 10 times in the last year. Like, it's insane. Yeah, it's insanity. And then coincidence. Yeah. And, and it doesn't seem like, I mean, at least to me at this point, it doesn't seem like anything's really going to happen to him. Like if it, if he was going to be in jail, I mean, he's, they're like questioning whether or not he's going to have to testify. And I think like that ruling comes at the, either the end of this day or at the end of this week, where it's like, whether or not he's going to voluntarily come and testify as to what all happened with all this stuff. And right. He wrote some tweet. Saying, "Oh, I'm not sure if I've emotionally processed what's happened yet, and uh, maybe yeah. I'll be there." Like, just nonsense. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, and it seems like he's almost being let off the hook. He's doing kind of like a media tour. Like, I'm seeing him in on the spaces, spaces last week. Yeah, he just softball questions. Yeah, 
And uh, whenever somebody asked him like a tough question, the host would always be like, all right, you can't. Uh, and it's like, all right, well, how do you not know where all this money went? And, you know, I just saw two FTX hired their own forensic accountants to kind of figure out where this money went. So I don't know, man. I, it seems like just the like you guys are saying, like, obviously, the, the corruption runs deep and everybody is essentially is getting paid off, or at least it seems that way at this point. And so it's just, you know, interesting to me that I guess we're, we're trying to make it or trying to talk about potential regulation. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, where are the incentives going to lie? And, you know, if FTX or some other company comes around and they start paying off all these politicians making these regulations, you know, it could be bad news for Bitcoin, at least in the short term. Um, you know, obviously, I don't think Bitcoin's going to get, uh, you know, a, nothing can really stop it or anything like that. And we see what kind of happened when China tried to, you know, halt Bitcoin mining. Um, you know, obviously, it, it seems like a lot of miners are still in China. And, uh, you know, they, although they did scatter a little bit, it, it might have actually been a little bit better that they, you know, halted all this mining stuff. So, I mean, d d like, where does it go? Because it seems like the, the shit coining is kind of, I guess, you know, when Bitcoin goes up 10x, like a shitcoin could go up 100x, but it still kind of falls and, and they're still kind of in this fiat mindset, right? Where, you know, they could YOLO into some shitcoin, make a bunch of money, and that's that bunch of money will then in turn fund, you know, some regulations that's being made. So I guess how as Bitcoiners do we kind of avoid this? Do you guys think like we, we need to start getting Bitcoiners in the ear of every single politician or is it just kind of like a movement of just, starting to educate people just as a whole and just kind of get rid of shit coining as much as we can. It's simpler. It's, it's as simple as preaching and teaching self-custody because the removal of, of that Bitcoin liquidity from exchanges is, is, is what will not, I don't think you can eliminate shit coining until you eliminate fear. And that's going to take a long time, but, but, but it, it can significantly reduce the size of that. If, if you, if you drain the liquidity of the people, um, who who own platforms that are you know up to no good then yeah it's you're reducing the potential you know at the end of the day um there's so many people out there who just don't understand bitcoin and it's what i mentioned before about the the societal brainwashing and you know the the fact that we've been uh, essentially led to believe that the government controls money and that they print it all this all matters this is why shitcoins exist. This is why people think that shitcoins matter, okay? Because they see an opportunity to make money out of nothing. And unfortunately, there's a really large piece of the population that believes that Bitcoin um, created millionaires out of nothing, not realizing. So first of all, one, one of the myths with Bitcoin is, is that Bitcoin isn't too good to be true. Um, you, you don't just come into Bitcoin and, and totally get loaded. Like people sit there and they're like, what are you talking about? There's people who got into it in 2011 and like their great, great grandkids are never going to have to work again. So first of all, back in 2011, uh, there was very, very little, if any type of on ramping at all in any way, shape or form. Okay. This was a very crude ecosystem. So when you were diving into Bitcoin at that point, you were taking an extreme risk. It was a lot of unknown. This thing started at zero. Bitcoin is completely different than all the other shitcoins. The shitcoins, every single one of them, whether you want to admit it or not, was created in order to enrich a specific group of people. Okay, And it was done with the understanding that that could be a result 
because Bitcoin did it. So this is so my point is is that people just have to get wrecked. Okay, so like out of I don't think the shit coins are going to disappear. I, I don't think that Bitcoiners can really do anything except what Walton said educate people on the virtues of self-sovereignty. I mean, look, I came to Bitcoin from getting wrecked. And also, also, if you're a, a person that's on Twitter, uh, you eventually get onto quote unquote crypto Twitter. And if you're lucky, you find Bitcoin Twitter. Back in the day, there was no Bitcoin Twitter. It was all just Twitter. And the toxic maximalists, right? These people that Nick Carter likes to dump on, okay? Those people were the ones saying, listen, your shitcoin isn't what you think it is. And here's why those were the people that were doing it. So there's, you know, I, I, I just don't see an end to the shit coining, but I do see that we will on as a result of the shit coining, we're going to get more and more Bitcoiners because essentially what happens is let, let's just to throw out numbers, right? Let's just say out of every 10 shit coiners that get wrecked, three of them or four of them become Bitcoiners. I mean, at some point that becomes a massive network effect because at the end of the day, the shitcoin casino does bring, it brings a lot of people that don't understand what they're doing and they do get wrecked. And a, and a portion of those people are going to say to themselves, there's something here and I may have missed it. I need to take a look again. And then they start looking at Bitcoin and then they realize they're like, okay, that's the only thing here that's actually doing what it says it was going to do. This is the only real thing, the only true use case for a token. Yeah, and I agree. And I think, you know, I, I think, you know, Walden's one of the lucky ones who's brought in by Bitcoin maximalists. And I, you know, I brought in a few people as well, but, you know, I, I shit coined at the beginning as well. And I know a lot of other people did too. And, you know, I was lucky enough not to get fully wrecked. I was just kind of trading some shit coins here or there and, you know, just for some extra beer money in college. And, uh, you know, it ended up, it ended up kind of me leading me down the rabbit hole. So I think, you know, Maybe they don't all need to get wrecked, but I mean, I, mean, I, I did a bit of trading. Like, I did a bit of trading, but I was trading to try and accumulate Bitcoin. But I still, you know, the problem with trading is it's easy to get greedy and then and then put slightly more in a trade than you should do, um, and then even if you realize it, you can still cut your profits. Like, um, and it, you just realize, realize oh, well, it's not worth the time for for the vast majority of people, um, and you can sleep you know, knowing that actually you don't care what the price does overnight. Like, whereas mm. if you're trading, you actually really fucking do and that, and that's just not worth it. It's just really not worth it. Um, oh, 100%. yeah, I think, I think this, this, you know, this past cycle, even people who, who didn't shit coin, you know, some people will have used yield services or, um, you know, or Bitcoin back loans, these sorts of things you get liquidated on those, you know, it's, it's a similar sort of thing. I think that was, People get wrecked in different ways or, you know, people don't appreciate um, really what they have. I think until they self-custody, like joining Bitcoin Twitter was one of the um, things that made me more bullish than ever. And yeah, maxis are terrible people that, you know, they're, they, they will, they will peer pressure you into doing horrible things like running your own node and actually being self-sovereign financially. Well, I think, you know, the, the frustration from the maxis just kind of comes to like, hey, don't make the same idiot mistake that I made. And that's where kind of, you know, the toxic toxicity comes from. But people don't really realize that. And they, they get a little, I guess, sensitive towards it. And they listen. No, it's to a lot of people put popularity above integrity. And so therefore, they're tight lipped and, you know. 
Yeah, exactly. But I want to get into this recent video I saw Conicorus make on the uh -oh. fake Toshi attacking the Bitcoin devs. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I mean, I don't like to give this guy any more airtime, but I think I that, hate it. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, but you have to do it up and he keeps attacking people. Obviously, he had the full, um, you know, the full trial against Hoddlenot and, and everything like that. And luckily, Hoddlenot, uh, you know, had a very positive ruling and everything like that, too. But it's like this guy has a, like unlimited money. It's just kind of attacking people. So why don't you get into, I guess, a little bit of the background of the story and kind of, I guess, your opinion on uh, everything that's going on with it. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. OK, so, yeah. I, OK, so before I even start, um, you have to anybody who wants to actually follow the full CSW saga, you are going to want to find and follow. I'll send you the link so that you can put it in your show notes. Uh, Arthur Van Pelt. Yeah. Uh, he used to be at my legacy kit, but his account got banned. Uh, that guy has done possibly the best job in documenting the CSW saga. Okay. So not to, this is a, it's a long story, right? So I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. CSW claims, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Wright claims that he is Satoshi. Um, Satoshi Nakamoto claims that he is the one that released the white paper. Obviously, Bitcoiners um, do not believe him. Uh, he's been asked to prove this on multiple occasions and has failed to. Uh, the only time that he, quote unquote, proved it was privately with Gavin Andreessen. And it was Gavin's word against the world, which obviously is total bullshit. So nobody really believed it. Um, and anyways, um, he is a smart guy. Right. Like, we're not going to take that away from him. He's, you know, earned a whole bunch of degrees and all that stuff. Um, and one thing that he has been able to do is to start taking Bitcoiners to court for all different, all different random reasons. OK, so before we even get into that, OK, there's BTC Bitcoin. Uh, in uh, there was a uh, there was a fork war, OK, which is there's actually a great book on the fork wars. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. I see Walton smiling like there's so much behind that. But like people just need to read well, the fork wars. So we got to go via Bitcoin Jesus before we even <laughs> get to the. I know. And I can't even do that. And I'm just trying to stick to CSW. But essentially, OK, Roger Ver, Bitcoin Jesus, uh, CSW and Jihan Wu. OK, they started. BC, they started BCH, Bitcoin Cash. Okay. That was the, that, that was a fork of Bitcoin. And for a very, very short period of time, the hash rate of BCH went higher than Bitcoin. And for a very, very short period of time, people got afraid that, wait a second, is Bitcoin not Bitcoin? Right. But no, serious Bitcoin miners, prevailed. <laughs> serious miners that are successful today yes. made the wrong choice for a, for a few months. Yeah. One OG for sure. Like, yeah. you know, and, and they, and they go, yeah, I yeah, realized right, I made, 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 made um, and change change course and you know some maybe some didn't and well you see what happened to them yeah exactly so okay so then uh essentially without getting into too many details okay um csw obviously has a disagreement with roger ver they don't see eye to eye um there's another player in this who I believe is the money man, which is Calvin Iyer, okay, uh, who ran a bunch of uh, online gambling sites and stuff like that. Anyways, CSW was a, was a was one of his employees, like a programmer for one of these gaming sites. Quite possibly, I, I don't actually know any of those pieces. I just, to me, he's just the money man. Um, so, anyways, uh, CSW and Calvin Iyer forked off BCH, okay? So they forked a fork of Bitcoin. Okay, it's not real Bitcoin. They forked a fork and they made um, BSV. Okay, which is Bitcoin, quote unquote, Satoshi Vision, which is just complete nonsense. So anyways, 
So CSW started taking a whole bunch of people to court, and we get to the point in 2021 where he starts taking Bitcoin Core devs to court. And why does he take the Bitcoin Core devs to court? Okay, in order to force them to retrieve his supposed Bitcoin. Okay, so he's somehow managed to convince a court um, to allow this case to go on, and in, and and he's managed to create the narrative that somehow they are blocking him from his Bitcoin, which anyone in Bitcoin knows that's not how Bitcoin works. That's this is not how it works. Okay, but the interesting and funny part to this story is that he has told this same story in parallel. Okay, in Norway, but. There, he destroyed the hard drive with slices of his keys that have access to that Bitcoin. So, so he he was he was supposedly hacked, right? The, the guy that this is the single entity that is taking credit for creating Satoshi. This guy was hacked. Okay, he he was he was hacked and can't get to his Bitcoin. That that's that's the story. Or, or he stepped on the hard drive. And destroyed his keys. Okay. I, I don't even know what to say. That is the like, how can anyone believe this del this delusion? And and you know what? For anybody who who really doesn't, you know, who anybody who really doesn't believe it, look, you can go take a look on the Bitcoin forum, uh, the bitcointalk.org. You can go take a look to see how how Satoshi Nakamoto, that that entity speaks to other people. You you can't reconcile that human being. With the piece of shit that CSW is, I'm very sorry. Like it's just I you you can even if you've even examined CSW's writings, you can see the writing styles are completely different. So and 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 this comes from people that are way more proficient in in in, in analyzing any of this better than me. So look, this guy is not Satoshi. This guy is a scammer. He's wasting everyone's time, and the fact that anyone is listening to him anymore, it, it just it just tells me that. They want to believe a lie. They most likely have so much sunk cost bias, they they can't think of any other idea. Sorry, Walton, think, go ahead. I think you're getting close to the point, which is the one I'm going to make, which is that I, I, you say Calvin has the money, but I think you follow the money. And to me, you evaluate the behavior of the person spending the money. And to me, I think it's ironic that, that, that Calvin had a bunch of gaming websites when he's actually suffering from gambler's fallacy. I think... And may, whether he knows this or not, but I think I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if this the, it's not really driven by Craig anymore. Maybe Craig wants to give up that he's not really Satoshi, but Calvin needs to get his money back. And so Calvin is is parading this this man that he owns around the world trying to claw his money back. Because at the end of the day, these guys are fiat maximalists who who believe that um, by abusing the legal system, they they can you know they they can get their money back in in some way shape or form um yeah it's just it's gambler's fallacy i i'm sorry i just i have to add because when it comes to this i i have done so much digging so there's an amazing video okay of uh decon 2017 or something like that anyways okay it's a fantastic video where essentially craig wright is up on stage okay and he's and he's talking about the lightning Okay, and Joseph Poon is in the crowd. He is one of the authors of the lightning uh, of the uh, the Bitcoin Lightning white paper. Okay, it's one of the authors. Okay, Craig finishes, 
Vitalik calls him out. Vitalik calls him out as a fraud. Okay, Vitalik calls him out as a fraud. And then Joseph Poon stands up and goes, I wrote the Lightning White Paper and I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, it's it's just madness. It's absolute madness that people give this guy a, a, a stage. And then on top of that, there is a fraudulent Bitcoin association, which is created out of only BSVers, which is funded by Calvin. Okay, you have the, the fraudulent made up uh, Bitcoin historian, uh, Kurt, all right, who just, he's a Bitcoin historian. Fuck is a Bitcoin historian? Excuse me for, for, for swearing. I apologize. I know we're alive, but that guy's the worst. That guy is like, what is that? the worst. It's not even real, man. That's fake. There's no such thing as a Bitcoin historian. He's going around pretending like he's got some creds. Freaking pound sand. This guy's delusional. It's, I, it's like they're a whole bunch of delusional clowns. Huh? He's just the owner of one of their mining pools, I believe. Yeah, gorilla um, pool. Yeah. No, but he's yeah. not incentivized. He's not incentivized for you to buy BSV. But again, it's, I think it's all about again, it's all about Calvin trying to, trying to get his money back. This is this is a coordinated, yeah, coordinated politics basically. Yeah, it's and it's like bullshit. They're, they're jumping around from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, doing these in different places too. Because I, I believe in the Hodlon case, they had a, a line there that they said, you know, with that, there is no evidence that. Craig Wright is Satoshi and he still keeps going around kind of trying to claim that. So, I mean, you, you know, Quinnicarus, you put that very beautifully, uh, the entire story laying it all out and kind of laying the groundwork. But I mean, what worries me too is that he's, you know, still kind of going at these Bitcoin core devs who, you know, most of them are kind of working for free and they're, you know, kind of just like developing and they're just the average pleb, maybe they're just living on a cot or something like that just really loves Bitcoin and, and attributing to this space. And he's coming at this with, you know, a bunch of fiat, fiat cash. And, and it's, it's, you know, difficult to, uh, you know, back that with all the lawyer fees and everything like that. So, you know, that, that, that is something that worries me that he's just going to, I don't know if he's ever going to stop. Like, like Walton's saying, like, it just seems like he's trying to get all his money back. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even know how to view this anymore. In the, uh, in the article that I covered uh, in that video, it's really strange that there's one point where he is essentially, so he is suing the core developers of the four Bitcoin networks, and he names BSV as one of the networks, as one of the defendants, the BSV developers. What? Like, I, I don't even understand, like, I don't think anybody really knows what's going on anymore, and I think if anything, it just goes to show it goes to show the the comedy of of our of our legal system, the the comedy of law that somebody can literally they can be a fraud. they They can be called out and essentially be caught in every single instance of their lies and yet still be still be part of the prosecution. <laughs> like I just I, I'm in shock. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me at all either. And, uh, you know, it just seems like it's just another, you know, part of clown world that we have here. And I think, you know, another, another part of clown world that I've been kind of talking about back and forth with a lot of my guests is, you know, the Federal Reserve, what's going on there? You know, I had a bunch of people kind of come on and different theories as what's going on. But it seems like Jerome Powell is like that one guy that has all this power. He can just go up and say whatever he wants. And, uh, you know, say that the Fed might, you know, kind of uh, raise rate, maybe they'll slow down and the market immediately reacts to it. And it just seems like, you know, that that's just kind of the way things are going at this point. And, you know, as, as far as the dollar goes compared to other fiat currencies, 
it seems like the dollar is doing well, but you know, a lot of these other countries like the BRICS nations, for example, are kind of trying to get away from it. Um, so, you know, as far as like the federal reserve policies and everything that's going on, like, what is it? Yeah, it's a very broad question, but what is your overall viewpoint? Like, how do you think the fed's doing obviously after, you know, this entire money printing that, that went on and kind of, just shot the market up and is now, you know, probably leading us to a pretty, pretty bloody recession. You want to hit this one first, Walton, or you want me to hit it first? Uh, so yeah, I'll go. I'll go briefly. the the Fed The Fed doesn't cause things; it, it reacts to things. Um, it, it it all it can do is is chuck more fuel in, um, or or apply some brakes. But it, it's it's not really the thing that's 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 driving things. You see behind me, all these fiat currencies are melting. Bitcoin is the only one um th- that isn't. Um, I think um you know the economic uh conditions. I think globally have have not been this bad for a, a long time um but there is a lifeboat there is an escape hatch there is there is another option this time um i don't know like i i buy bitcoin so i don't have to pay attention to the fed to be honest i'm in like it's not quite as simple as that i'm sure magoo will be twitching if if he heard me saying that but if if the problem right now is that is that a lot, a lot of Bitcoin um, is owned by by fiat maximalists, um, and as such, uh, gets traded differently to how Bitcoin um, Bitcoiners understand it. It kind of should be traded, be or traded not. or not. Um, in the, it is a um, a safe haven asset, not a not a risk on asset. As as you know, maybe the the current price behavior might might suggest. Um, but one thing that is always true, and Bitcoiners must pay attention. You're gonna—I'm sorry for going on about this, but self-custody is important, primarily because you're reducing liquidity. Now, Bitcoin is one of the most liquid, if not the most liquid, financial instruments on the planet. It's traded 24/7, 365 days a year. The, if if you have Bitcoin that is with custodians, with institutions where they are supplying liquidity to markets, then what a surprise when that really liquid, uh, you know, the really liquid Bitcoin moves first and it moves dramatically first because people these these people are acting out of necessity that, you know, they can't sell real estate in seconds. They can Bitcoin. a lot of behavior is about the fact that it is traded all the time. Uh, it is so accessible. But if you take self-custody, if you have your family to take self-custody, we can reduce liquidity on exchanges and we can reduce the fiat system and you know their retarded behavior's effect on, on uh, the fiat exchange rate of Bitcoin. I prefer than the, the price as a term. There we go. I love that. All right, Conicarus, you want to tackle this one? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the Fed, right? Um, I mean, they've printed what is it, seventy? Uh, what is it, seventy percent of all the dollars in existence in the last three years? So that that's already great. I mean, look, let's be honest. Who knows? They... There's no dollar node. I'm sorry. I said, who knows? There's no dollar node. That's right? right. That's exactly right. Who the hell knows? I even saw some article about like some hidden eighty trillion dollars that's unaccounted for. And that's just the number that they came up with. They're like, you know what? 
it's big enough that people will notice it, but it's small enough that no one's going to care. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know how they come up with that, but um, I just want to point out, I, I just want to point out before I dive into this, Jerome Powell, I don't know if you saw that Coindesk article, the uh, the 2022 most uh, influential people for crypto, and they, they named Jerome Powell for undermining Bitcoin's safe haven narrative. What the hell does that even mean? Like, you still, you can't, they can't confiscate Bitcoin. Okay, they can't do anything to you on the Bitcoin network. The the government is completely ineffective on the Bitcoin network. How the hell did he change any of that narrative as a safe haven? Like, I don't think they understand why we're here. I don't think they understand what we see in Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't think they get it. You know, we are talking about separating money from state. We're not talking about their stupid that. Uh, to Walton's point, the fiat exchange rate, like that—that's that. All that is, all that is, is an—it's a—it's—it's it's a reflection. It's essentially a reflection of current sentiment, and and how much perceived value Bitcoin has swallowed up currently, and it's ever changing. And like Walton said, it's a twenty-four-seven it's liquid market, which makes it the most liquid asset in the world, which scares the shit out of all of these people, the central bankers, the Fed Reserve. But just to go back to your original your original question, right, or your original point, um, they're screwed, okay? They, at this, this isn't the 1970s, okay? This isn't the Volcker era where they were able to, like, do something, like they had somewhere to move. Like, what's happened is, is that they've kept moving everything up incrementally, the money printing, the debt, the interest rates, everything just kept moving up incrementally. And now they're at the point, right? We're, we're at that breaking point where now they have to start coming up with so many reasons so that we can print money that now all we do is move from one crisis to the next, which causes more money printing. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, but like even during COVID, we had other, we had other, sorry, the virus, which shall not be named. We, we had other crises and and then after that you know we dive into the whole ukraine thing and there's riots and there's this and all of this stuff we need to print we need to save people like it's this is insane and what it does what it does it's all done on purpose it really is because they have nothing left so the key is maintaining status quo maintaining power maintaining control by any means necessary and good luck doing that as you as you scare all the millennials and zoomers away from having children or or maybe influence them um to to do things that reduce their fertility and you look at um there's a whole bunch of factors uh but i think yeah with a you know it, back when uh, i think phil's referencing like in previous in previous recessions depressions you've had an in in increasing uh, population in all these Western economies, we've got declining birth rates. Good luck propping up aging populations with with inflationary currencies, with 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 you know flattening off or declining populations. Like, pff, no fucking chance. I didn't even think of that uh, last point, and it, and it's a great one. I mean, it, it, it doesn't doesn't make any Thanks sense, and, and it seems like they're essentially just yeah trying to discourage all that. You know, keep people with their mask on. I think I even saw something that was like, all right, like keep your mask on like during sex and stuff like that during COVID and like other things like that to not transmit the virus. So I mean, it's just like peak clown world, and I and I think like you know that CoinDesk article is just still like 
you know, that's, that's a part of it too. It's, it's uh, all a part of that, that fiat mindset and just looking at the price too. So I saw Corey Clipston. From I was about to say, <laughs> Corey destroyed that guy. Yeah. So hopefully he got through to them and uh, we'll, we'll see some Bitcoiners on it next year. But I mean, at the end of the day, like it's, it's not stopping Bitcoin. And I think adoptions continuing to roll on. There's still a lot of bullish sentiment around as, as, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you guys are definitely a part of that, um, you know, with what you're putting out with your videos and your content. So, you know, why don't you tell everybody, uh, you know, where they can find you and what you got going on. All right. You can come check us out. You can come check us out at plebunderground.com. That's where we host our Substack. And check us out on YouTube. Our handle is at plebunderground, all one word. And of course, you can, if you want, you can stream us sats on Breeze through fountain.fm. And Walton, what am I missing? Um, we're available on audio-only platforms such as Spotify, Oops. Anchor, um, Apple, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, and, yeah, it's important to recognize that Pleb Underground is not just me and Phil. Like, we, yeah, with a, with a, with a face on, on YouTube, but um, we're, we're not the only, the only show. Pleb Underground is a collective um, of a, a mixture of very talented uh, media producers of course we have bt weekly with becca we have children of the corn with frito we've got uh the blue collar plebcast with lc um we've got a bunch of memers we've got a bunch of writers um and, and more plebs are welcome to join the mission if you believe um in in preaching bitcoin only if if, if you're producing something um of of of, of bitcoin culture if you want to uh yeah spread the word of other other bitcoiners um yeah reach out to to me to phil to to pirate um and and you can join you can join the club on the ground yeah you guys got a lot of great stuff going on so i definitely encourage you everybody to check out their Substack, youtube everything all the podcasts that walton just listened to and thanks so much for coming on guys i mean i really enjoyed this conversation i feel like we could have talked for hours but i want to be generous with your time so i really appreciate it Oh, man, thank you so much for having us on. You know what? We'll continue the conversation on Pleb Underground when we have you on. For sure, yeah, and I appreciate it because, of course, time is the only thing more scarce than Bitcoin to the individual. Um, So, yeah, please spend your time well. Buy some Bitcoin. Fuck shitcoins. Thanks, Brandon. There we go. Perfect way to end it off right there.